0: Hey, this is Abigail Jacobs, and welcome back to my podcast, Adventures with Abigail, and this is episode eight. Today, I did a podcast with Sven Sturman, who also has a podcast, hashtag the life of Sven. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, any of those things that you think of, it's on it. So go check out his podcast. It's really great. And um, like I said, I was on it today and we um, talked about some pretty cool stuff and I wanted to share it on my podcast. So here we go.
1: (laughs) Today on the Life of Sven podcast, uh, I have Abigail Jacobs with me. She's Japanese American and we're going to talk about resilience and the role of family. Um, and Abigail, first of all, I'm happy that you're on the show.
0: I am also happy to be here. Because
1: you came all the way from San Louis
0: uh-huh.
1: to, <laughs> to be on this podcast, uh-huh. obviously. And uh, I, I just want to start off with giving you the opportunity to share a little bit about you, your family background, just so we, we know you a little bit. And then we'll hop right into it.
0: Okay, yeah, so as Sven said, I am Japanese American, my dad is half Japanese, and my mom is a white woman, um, and I have six younger siblings, I'm the oldest of seven, and yes, I was homeschooled for a majority of my life, and I'm 18, and I work with Sven, and that is why I came here from St. Louis, not just for the podcast, um... And I have a genetic mutation, which makes me have extra bones in my feet.
1: <laughs> so, thank you, Abigail. We have a little bit of a picture of who you are. Uh, what hair color do you have?
0: Um, my hair color varies depending on my mood. Uh, <laughs> most of the time it is naturally brown, but of course I sometimes do blue or purple or red or um, like a light color. We'll see.
1: Good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the other day we were talking and you asked me a question. You asked me, um, well, regarding tra- traumatic experiences and, and hardships, if all people kind of react the same to it or w- what the difference is. And um, the word that came to mind or the concept that came to mind was resilience. And today we, we want to unpack that a little bit. And I first want to uh, just give a little bit of a definition to the word. Uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that resilience is an ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change. And I would say as instead of misfortune, we can also use difficult situations, traumatic experiences, hardship or, or such. Um, but it basically means... Uh, to remain calm during a crisis or chaos and to move on from the incident without long-term negative consequences. So it's the person's ability to to overcome what is hard and difficult and to, to continue with life and to see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what we came up with. Um, and then we, we talked a little bit about um, some of the factors that help a person to be resilient because, um, as we were discussing, uh, someone isn't just born resilient to all uh, evil and, and difficulty of life, but it actually is something that can be built up. Uh, one of the factors is, and that's uh, one of our main focuses today on this podcast, is a healthy family and, and family, healthy family dynamics. Mm. So I just wanted to ask you, coming from a larger family, um, what do you think in the light of resilience how your family and um being brought up with you know many siblings and and good parents how that has affected your ability to be resilient to mm. some of the hard things of life
0: Oh that's a really good question good um yeah well I as I mentioned earlier I am the oldest of seven so um I think I was kind of like a trial run for my parents. You know, my um, my mom was 19 when she got engaged to my dad and he was 20. And then by the time they were married, they had gotten pregnant with me very early in their marriage. I don't think they had even been married for a year when they got pregnant with me. And then my mom gave birth to me whenever she was 20 or 21. So they were still young. Um I have memories of actually going to my mom's college graduation. Um so in a way it's almost like I kind of grew up with my parents as they were learning like adulthood. Um and so there were many times throughout my childhood that my parents told me like you are our guinea pig. We um you know like as a joke, not like a serious thing. But like obviously um they were learning how to be parents with me because I was their first child. Um, And I think having many younger siblings, um, it caused my parents to put a lot of more focus on my younger siblings, if that makes sense. So many times I learned how to kind of like defend for myself and um, just like be more independent. And I think Like, being the oldest plays a large role in my personality that I have now as an adult. Um, And also, like, coming from, like, my dad's side of the family, the more Japanese culture causes um, a little bit more, like, um, stoicism, I guess. I'm not a stoic person. Anybody who knows me would not consider me stoic. (laughs) But, (laughs) like, that's how Japanese culture is. It's very um, logical and tight and strict um, and not emotional or feeling at all and so I was brought up in a home where we didn't really express our emotions we didn't really talk about anything like that um, so for a for a, pretty much all of my childhood I didn't really like know how to confront my emotions at all um, so I think that was like I mean part of it turned out to be good because I'm able to um kind of like look at my emotions from a third person perspective and not like like i'm i'm able to like look at my emotions from like an out of body kind of a perspective you know um but it also like has caused it hard for me to um like be able to be vulnerable with people or um just be able to like sometimes it's hard for me to be able to trust people, I guess, on a more emotional level. But yeah.
1: One thing that um, was highlighted to me in your answer is um, that a lot of foundations are being laid in in childhood age.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so looking at parenting, uh, but also looking at your responsibilities for your younger siblings, because I guess that's just a natural dynamic in a big family, mm-hmm. older siblings also care and, and carry some responsibilities for their younger siblings. How would you say has this, um, equipped you for adult life?
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I was kind of like the second mom of the house for like my whole childhood because I helped babysit. I helped, you know, like watch the kids and change diapers and cook meals and all that. Um, and for a while, honestly, it made me not want to have kids. It, it Like, I went through a period of time where I didn't want to have anything to do with kids. I didn't want to have kids. I didn't want to be around kids, even if they weren't my own. I just did not like kids at all because I was around them my whole entire childhood. There was not a time throughout my childhood where there wasn't a baby in the house. You know, there was always some... Either my mom was always pregnant or there was always a baby to be taken care of. Um, But... Then, once I got over that, like, phase of not liking kids, I realized that it actually equipped me a lot for just, like, being a parent in the future, and um, I know a lot about kids that most people would not know about kids, and before I came to Birmingham, I worked at a preschool for a while, and I um, didn't have any previous training to work at preschool, but I, um, like knew a lot about how to take care of the kids and like practical things and stuff. So it's definitely equipped me a lot for, um, just like working with kids as an adult. And now I really love kids and I would love to have many of my own. So
1: (laughs) that's awesome. Um, and then you're also getting ready to move to Europe for a season in just about a month from now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a big decision. And even for you to move to Birmingham from St. Louis to work with this nonprofit organization here is a big step mm-hmm. um, to move out from home and kind of be on your own and, and you know be responsible for yourself. Um, I guess with those big decisions, looking at how you were brought up in a big family, um, and you said also that you carried a lot of responsibilities for yourself, for your siblings... Would you say that those things specifically were also things that now enable you to to deal with like those situations where you have to be independent and give yourself confidence and the ability to believe yes I can do it?
0: Um. Yeah, there are. I mean, there are definitely things that I have no idea how to do. Um, yeah, I think there, like, there are certain things, certain aspects of like living on my own. I mean, I have roommates, but I'm not anywhere near any of my family right now where, as I said earlier, I'm a pretty independent person. Um, and so like the concept of moving to Europe for a season doesn't really scare me. Um, traveling alone doesn't scare me. I, I have, um, been traveling long distances ever since I was a kid. I went to Japan to see some of my cousins when I was 10 without my parents. Um, so the aspect of traveling without my parents doesn't scare me, but then there are also things like finances and like knowing how to like take care of myself at the doctor, you know, like more practical adulting things that I just don't know how to do, but I'm also 18, so I'm sure I will learn, (laughs) but.
1: (laughs) I agree with you, there's, there's lots that, um, that we learn by, by doing and just by, Life uh, putting us in places where we'll just have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) There's no school for it. Um, But maybe as a side note to educational systems, both in the US and Europe, teach us how to do life. That would be good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. please give us a tax form class.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Cool. Um, Well, one thing that um, you know that I've shared with you before and that is part of my work is... um, I've worked in, in Nigeria and worked with victims of uh, traumatic, traumatic experiences and uh, victims of uh, terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the stories that I hear there are pretty heartbreaking and, and tough mm-hmm. and hard to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the light of what we're talking about, resilience, and the role of family, having a, a strong and healthy family network, friends really just a, a good social environment. Um, one thing that I've learned is, and also with my background in social work, is that someone who grows up in a healthy family, someone who has friends, someone who has family that they can trust, um, or also that person that you know, when, when you're in trouble, you can pick up the phone and they'll be there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the strong factors that help a person to be resilient. To deal with difficult situations, mm-hmm. um, do you think that, um, or, or I guess let me rephrase that: What do you think can parents or we as friends of other friends can can do to be there for other people so that they find themselves uh, able to deal with hard situations? Mm-hmm. How how can we be that good friend, or when we have once we have family, how can we be? good parents to help our children or friends to be resilient?
0: Mm. Oh, That's a good question. Um, I think from the per- parents' perspective, um, a really great way to just like be there for your kids and um, also teach them about their feelings is to um, first deal with your own emotions and be able to accept your own feelings um, I know that there are people out there who are really great at dealing with their emotions, but then there are people like my parents who I was never taught how to confront my emotions. I was never taught how to deal with different things that I was going through. And so um, that kind of forced me to um, really just like rely on myself. Um, and so a great way, and I think that that comes, that stems from um, just like an overall, over overall uncomfortableness with emotion, which again comes along with like the Japanese culture and um, like lack of vulnerability. Um, And so as friends, from the friend's perspective, I think it's our job to just be there for our friends. And if you know that they're going through something, then um, being able to confront them and be open with them, and also um like respect their vulnerability and respond to it with your own equal amount of vulnerability because i'm not i'm not going to tell somebody about the things that i'm going through unless they're also receptive t- to me and also being open and you know like responding so yeah and i think also just um allowing people to feel and not um like devalidating it you know like everybody has emotions and these emotions are valid and just accepting that you are allowed to have feelings basically Mm -hmm. but
1: yeah I think that's very good um I guess the key word that I picked up was availability Mm -hmm. Uh, for parents to be available to their children for friends to be available to their friends when Mm -hmm. when they need it even to just process what they're going through Mm -hmm. and, and being there uh without like you said without uh Validating their their feelings or what they expressed us, but just simply being there and listening. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a very good point. Okay, well, and I guess as as one of the last things that was important to, for me to, to mention as well is that the level of resilience. Uh, varies from person to person. Um, I think we can't assume that, you know, person A will be able to deal with a traumatic experience in the same way person B would, uh, because so many different aspects play into uh, a person's resilience. Uh, what we focus on in this episode, obviously, is family and the role of family and, and also friends, um, that healthy network of uh, positive relationships but then there is upbringing plays a role. Um, even the network that people build in their schools or like you were homeschooled in, in homeschool um, uh, communities or um, later the workplace. I mean, really every social environment that we find ourselves in kind of plays into uh, our our ability to be resilient. But then there's also biological factors. And th- so there's a lot of factors that um, help a person to be Um, resilient. I think what is important uh, to me to mention is that we do carry uh, some responsibility to equip ourselves uh, to be resilient for whatever comes in in the future. I mean, life is not just um, a happy walk uh, in sunshine, but there is hard and difficult situations. And there is things that we can do to be healthy. Um, Even simple things like making sure that we get enough sleep. We get the rest that we need from um, heavy work, that we follow our hobbies and that we don't just, um, you know, work, 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 but we actually have time where we can recharge. Um, those are just very simple things to make sure that we are healthy because when we're healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, we, can, we can encounter um, hard and difficult situations uh, more resiliently, so I think that's that's also what I wanted to mention. Uh, maybe just to close this episode, Abigail, you can uh, just mention some things that that you would recommend to people um, to kind of watch out for or make sure that they implement in their lives to be resilient people uh, and to help the people around them to build up their resilience as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Some yeah. things
1: that you found important. Yeah.
0: Um, I think the number one thing is maintaining your happiness and your joy. Um, yeah, I think that your entire outlook on life, your overall mood, just like your mental well-being, changes so much whenever you choose to be happy. And I know that some people might say like, oh, happiness isn't a choice, joy isn't a choice." but it absolutely is you whenever you are faced with a bad situation you have a choice as to whether you're going to complain and be upset about it and let it affect the rest of your day the rest of your week the rest of your month or you can choose to overcome it and find something to be happy about um and i think even just like just smiling improves your overall mood um and Yeah, I think happiness is so important, and a lot of times I think we kind of disregard it as being a very, very important um, just emotion, but yeah, I was reading a study the other day that was talking about how being happy even improves your physical health, Um, so yeah, even if you are faced with very um, terrible situations, not to disregard those terrible situations at all, but there is always something... Happy, something to be happy about. You know, there is always something that we can find to be thankful for, or something that we can smile with at. Um, so yeah, that's it. It's
1: awesome. I think that's a good closing word, to choose joy and to, um, look at your own life and and kind of examine and see what you can be grateful for. Uh, what are the good things? Because that will help you to stay afloat when those difficult situations come and remember that there's always friends and family that you can go to that they will be there for you that they have your back and they won't let you down so remember that Abigail thank you so much for for being with us here on the show on the Life of Sven podcast and I hope you have an amazing time in Europe and that you won't have to face too many difficult situations (laughs) Uh, but I know you're resilient, so happy life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> happy life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Hello, this is Abigail Jacobs, and I am with Sven Sturman. And this is the Life of Sven podcast, and I'm on it now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'm glad that uh, you're with us, Abigail, today, and that you found the time to be on the show. Um, Today, we want to talk about um, a topic that maybe not many people have thought about or have, but maybe not with the words and vocabulary that we're using today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. This is so awful. <laughs> you can you can put it in at the end as bloopers. <laughs>